episode of the Data Protection and Privacy podcast is brought to you by The Trust Bridge, www.thetrustbridge.co.uk. Today's offer, try one of our accredited courses for £1. Go to www.thetrustbridge.co.uk forward slash 2020 training. This episode of the Data Privacy Protection Podcast is brought to you by ADPP, the Arena for Data Protection Professionals. Visit www.digitalarena.co and join us to get access to member benefits and entry to our networking events. Today's offer, save 25% on annual membership using the code LIA25. The price will be £112.50 instead of £150 for annual membership. www.digitalarena.co Hi, it's David Clark, and today I'm talking to Josh Mishav. Um, Josh is the CEO of Brisense.io. Um, I think it's better that I let Josh tell you what Brisense.io do. Hi, Josh, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, so BreachSense is a data uh, breach monitoring platform. We help security companies uh, gain access to their uh, client credentials in order to uh, show their clients um, uh, vulnerabilities that they have within their systems, as well as allowing the enterprise to um, gain visibility into their employees who possibly use the same password and third-party breaches as well as within the enterprise. So um, just to sort of clarify, um, what we're saying here is that an employee could be using the same password for his long on ID as he does maybe for Yahoo or Google or, um, you know, MTV account or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So the average user re recycles the same password across four different accounts. So the idea is if their, let's say their Instagram account gets hacked and they're using the same password within your enterprise, the the enterprise, even if they have the best uh, IDSs or web application firewalls in the world, uh, having valid credentials will, will, allow, will allow an attacker to access uh, their servers. So uh, the organizations have a difficult time following the large number of breaches that happen. So this service kind of gives them visibility into, uh, into their employees' data and employees' credentials that have been breached. Um, it's when they use the same, when they use the, the, the company's uh, email address, for example, right? So if you're acme.com and you signed up to your Instagram using acme.com, that got breached, you can then see, okay, well, here's an employee, here's the password. And we also, we crack, if, if the, normally um, third-party companies uh, um, hash passwords. So depending on the hash type that was used, we then, we crack it so we can get the plain text password. And then you can see the actual risk involved uh, to see if they we use the same password within the organization, then you can force an update. Yeah, I, I know from kind of a previous experience, I know it's kind of common, isn't it? If you've got a encrypted stroke hashtag password, you can actually find online databases which have every combination of billions of words and, and you just match the hashtag, don't you? And quite often... So, yeah, so there are a lot of websites that have like, a, they'll have it either pre-hash, depending on what it is, they may or may not have it. And then you can use uh, free freely available tools like Hashcrack, um, to uh, to crack the passwords as well. So even if you aren't able to find out uh, online, you can normally, if you have the right equipment, you can just um, hash it, uh, crack it in the background, and it may take 
an hour, two hours, a couple of days a week, depending on, on what's used, depending if you have the salt involved as well. But then once you have that, um, an attacker can then uh, bypass all the security you have in place and and infiltrate your uh, your network. Yeah, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Because for a long time, the, the guidance was, wasn't it? Change your password every 30 days. And the concept of 30 days was because the computing power at the time took 30 days plus to crack your password. And what you're just saying is, you know, you're lucky if it takes two hours generally to crack a password. Yeah, I would say if you actually, if you look at the NIST uh, password guidelines for, I think it was 2019, the latest ones, yeah. they actually, they don't recommend having a forced uh, password update anymore yeah. so what used to be right and and a lot of actually they have some very interesting recommendations there because now there is like the, the recommendations have a uh, eight character limit as the minimum right but there's no longer having the uppercase lowercase and uh, non-alphanumeric uh, character right because what was happening was is people do something like password and they say okay we have to have an uppercase <laughs> so what letter do you update to the p now you need yeah. a number what do you do you add a one Okay, you need a nine character. You have the exclamation mark. Now, in thirty days, when you have to, you have to reset that. What are you changing it to? You're changing your one to two. So, it kind of became. Uh, it's very easy to. Every, that's what everyone does. So, when you have one password, even though you've forced it to change it, it's normally pretty easy to figure out what you changed it to based on how many times if you if it was it was a one and you had a change in three months have gone by since it got breached you're probably at a three or four now so the the password complexity rules haven't really helped forcing password change haven't helped um what makes a lot more sense though is to to for organizations to check before they allow a user to accept the password to check to see if that password appears in a breach, right? So what, what attackers normally do is they'll, they'll have, they'll take, um, let's say the LinkedIn breach, right? So the LinkedIn breach happened many years ago, but yeah. it's got millions of passwords in it. And then what they do is they do what's called the credential stuffing attack. So they'll they'll go to whatever organization they want to, uh, they want to attack, and they'll just, they'll go through, cycle through all the passwords for the users they have. And eventually, there's a good percentage of them that will stick. So if an organization accepts a password that has been breached and we know it's a bad password, then there is a statistically higher chance that someone will then use that in a credential stuffing attack and you just shouldn't accept it. So if password one has been breached and it's been breached umpteen <laughs> times, you shouldn't yeah. be accepting that. Um, you shouldn't be accepting company names or whatever. So you need a way to figure out what passwords have been breached and don't use that. And take a look at the NIST recommendations. So they're, they're, they're pretty good. Um, a lot of the old school password recommendations are no longer relevant. Yeah, well, I think in the UK, the NCSC, the National Cybersecurity Center, got a very similar recommendation. You know, then don't just change passwords for the sake of changing them. You know, make sure they're they're kind of more valid. I know from my my own kind of experience and research, you know, the average inverted commas large company, you have to remember at least seven passwords. So it's not a, a trivial job for the end user either. How do you manage seven passwords? Remember them all. Try not to write them down because normally in the security policy it says do not write them down, um, and and do about do your daily work. So it it, it is. Tough. Um, we we've seen a lot of well we see breaches every day now, don't we? I think there's always some massive breach from some large company. Um, how much of those breaches, how much of the components of those breaches do you think are down to passwords, you know, from your pen testing background and, you know, your experience? And so um, 
I think in terms, well, there's there's a couple components there. But in terms of uh, in terms of breaches that happen, I think if you, if you look at the Verizon uh, data breach, uh, the DBIR data breach, go what the IR stands for. Anyway, they yeah. come up with a report every year. <laughs> Instant response. Thank you. Okay, um, so they come out with reports every year and they break down per sector. Um, and there is there is depending on the sector, you can get up to even 50% or even a little bit above 50% of the of the hacks that are occurring within a given sector happen because of password directly related to passwords. Uh, you'll have a lot of times like malware and the, there's other attack factors and it's really specific. It's really dependent on the specific uh, uh, industry that you're looking at. But um, credential stuffing attacks are on the rise. They're very common. Um, and just due to the sheer number of passwords that are out on the internet, it becomes really easy. So anybody can automate it. It's trivial to automate um, HTTP logins. Um, and and one of the it kind of, it's ironic if you look at it, and, and I say this as a pen tester, if you look at like the Pareto principle for pen testing and, and for, for defense is if you can, if you can stop, if you can detect automation, you'll stop 80% of the attacks. So even if it has nothing to do with passwords, even if you're going to say SQL injection attacks, if you can detect it, because nobody's nobody's exploiting SQL injection manually. You're running tools like right, SQL map, or, or I mean, there's lots of SQL tools. Let's say SQL map is a popular one. You'll you figure out the parameters that are vulnerable and you'll just automate SQL map or whatever tool you're using to be able to exfiltrate the, the data that you're that's within the database. But if you can stop automation, you're going to stop a large number of attacks and even even before the attack occurs, when the when the when the hacker is looking for the vulnerability, they're using <laughs> tools to be able to locate those, right? So, yeah. If if like, there are very few, like say business logic flaws, you really need to know the context, and you and they're normally done yeah, manually. Yeah. But a large large majority of web application vulnerabilities can be automated. Are, are there any easy ways for companies to to prevent automated attacks, like you are suggesting? Um, yeah, so it really depends on where they're at. So if if you're looking at if if you're looking at let's say um, credential stuffing attacks. So if you if you if all users and it really depends not everybody can do this, but if you forced a two-factor multi-factor authentication, yeah. So then even if the password is breached, that kind of uh, it doesn't matter, right? So the two yeah. FA is a very popular one. Not everybody can do that. Um, within the within the uh, the if we're looking at web apps, which um, if you're looking at web apps, you can do a lot of things within within let's say um, within log monitoring or within a even within a WAF, right? So I, yeah. I have a uh, my security background. You can write rules in Lua uh, to be able to detect the number of requests. So if you can if you can detect request velocity, so you can know a normal user will yeah. will send X number of requests within Y amount of time. You can detect. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can detect changes in that and then figure out, okay, this isn't a normal user. Obviously, the ways that attackers can bypass that using headless JavaScript uh, to be able to uh, imitate a user, and they're very difficult to stop. But if you want, like, for, to stop and let's say credential stuffing attached, which is the normal, I'm just going to send millions of requests, those ones should be pretty easy to stop. That's really interesting. With, with, within, within that, but obviously having having two FA or having a broken up um, 
uh, authentication sequence, right? Which you just put in, let's say the username, and then you have to go to another screen and making multiple stages makes it much more difficult uh, for an attacker to- uh, So the more barriers, that the harder it's gonna be, yes. isn't it? That's really interesting. Yeah. We, were, we were talking about earlier, and uh, we were saying like, where do you get all your data from? How, how do you come by it? So there, there are a number of places. There's a bunch of, uh, first of all, the data for, my data is all publicly available. Anybody who searches, uh, spends any time searching. You can find it on PACE sites. You can find it on various uh, called hacker forums. Um, it's not too difficult to find. Um, what I guess would be more time consuming is uh, is staying on top of it, uh, cleaning up all the data, because many times it comes in, in different formats and you have to kind of uh, standardize it. Um, you have to validate it. There's a lot of data there that just, it's not, it'll claim to be from a breach, but it's really not. So you have to verify it. So um, there are a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, one popular way is if you if you uh, if you go to a website and do the password recovery. So you can usually those use those forms are usually vulnerable to what's called user enumeration attacks. So you can say, okay, I take this email it claims to be from this breach. I'm going to check to see if this account actually exists, and that you can do that. That's that's a good way. A couple other techniques, but basically, so you verify that the data is is there, and then it'll come in let's say 95 plus percent of the time, it comes in a, a hash format. So sometimes you'll have the salts, sometimes you won't, but then you can just use hash crack um, to, to crack those passwords in the background. And then you're gonna have, if you do this long enough, you're gonna have billions of passwords. At this point, breach sense is uh, it's past nine billion. Um, being yeah. able to query that number of credentials in a, in a short, like measure it in milliseconds, is another uh, another issue you're gonna have to figure out a way to be able to query that as well. Um, hint: stay away from SQL databases. Uh, <laughs> but kind of altogether, uh, that that's kind of the uh, the solution that we provide. Oh, that's amazing. So so you, you effectively you're updating it all the time. You know, it's, it's yeah similar. yeah. So we have to stay up on top, stay on top of it because um, they happen all the time and uh, and. P depending on them, like I mentioned before, people reuse the same password, but even if they don't, you need to stay on top of, okay, what's the new password that they're using? Um, so yeah, it's kind of a regularly, we, we import on average, let's say between 10 to 15 major breaches um, a month, uh, in addition to whatever pace spins, uh, which are normally smaller, probably measured in the hundreds to thousands, um, but we'll get uh, tens of millions uh, e uh, of new credentials each month. That's really interesting. So um, who do you kind of see as your kind of target market for this service? We were talking about this earlier. So the target market, I'd say, broken up to, to two different sectors. One is the uh, security market. So that's where my background as a pen tester comes in. So I'm kind of where the like, other red teams, pen testing, uh, manage, manage service providers, um, uh, SIM, SOC, those type, anybody in the security field who needs access to their clients' uh, credentials. So there are others, other services, the most popular is Have I Been Pound, um, which allows users to look up uh, their own data. But if you need access to other people's data, right? So if you're a managed service provider and you need your access to your client's data, it's very difficult to get that. Yeah. And if you need the actual crack password, it's it's very difficult without breach sense to be able to get that data. So this allows uh, MSPs to, to be able to monitor their client's data and then they can then ping their clients, okay, here, here's a list of the users and the credentials we have. Uh, are these valid? Do these need to be updated? And they kind of, it's kind of a win-win situation because it, it allows them to provide a lot of value to their users. 
Um, and that's kind of, that's the classic security uh, uh, angle. Um, the other is for the enterprises. So we've got uh, other clients that are just standard companies that uh, want that want to make sure that they're not open opening themselves up to risk because their employees are using the same password within the company as well within other third party services. So if one of those third party services get breached, uh, attackers can then uh, infiltrate their network as well. And and we were talking earlier. You know, you actually do a, a, there's an onboarding process, isn't there, for your customers? You're not necessarily going to take. Yeah, so the, the data obviously can be used. Yeah, the data can obviously be used for for um, malicious purposes. So we have to make sure that everybody who is accessing it um, is is uh, is doing it for legal purposes. So uh, for security companies, there's a vetting process to make sure that they actually are legitimate. Um, and for enterprises, they have access to uh, to data that belongs to domains that they own. So if you're uh, Acme.com and you own, you know three or four different domains, then you can only access those domains to make to, to kind of uh, make sure that only your employees' data um, isn't used to access, but you don't have access to the entire database. Interesting. So if I'm a, an enterprise company, would you recommend that I get in touch with you before I have a breach or is it just after? Um, you definitely want the before the breach. Um, you definitely want, because the breach isn't, the, the idea here is the breach isn't in your network. The breach is in everyone else's network. So if so, if some other network, if some other application gets hacked, and you have employees that have reused the same password within your organization and whatever third party you have, you have a a a way that an attacker can enter your network despite whatever other security measures you have. So you need to be on. Mm. You need to have constant visibility into this. Because as you mentioned, there are new breaches happening all the time. And without the visibility, uh, you have no idea who's in your network. Yeah, this is really interesting because this, this is effectively, isn't it? Almost kind of out of security, out of circle security, isn't it? It's kind of beyond the traditional domain. And I can get a lot of yeah, information. Yeah, that's a very good way to, to put it. Yeah, the, the inner circle. Uh, interesting. So um, I, I guess there's one question, you know, obviously uh, a, a lot of the listeners are very interested in data protection and the data protection regulations going on around the world. Um, have you seen a decrease in uh, breaches or or whatever? Or is it just, just getting worse? No, it's, yeah, it's definitely getting worse. There are more and more places I see trading data, um, more and more applications getting hacked. Um, I've seen the numbers only going up, not down. Um, and it's kind of a, like, I like I like the way you put that, the outer security, because like we were talking before, I was saying I, I come from a pen testing background. So that was all about finding the vulnerabilities, finding your SQL injection, your cross-site scripting, your mm. access control issues to be able to gain access or escalate access. Uh, but this kind of takes it to another another look level where you may have the proper security you may really be locked down but you have a not even a back door you're coming through the front door because you have valid credentials that were reused that had nothing to do with any mistake made on your part it was a mistake made by somebody else but you have no control over that i and i suppose um you know if i can kind of ask you another kind of question a bit more technical perhaps yeah you know we we're seeing kind of in the news ransomware attacks are you know going through the roof at the moment um you know from what i understand of ransomware is effectively there it's part software and part password cracking for them to be successful 
Um, so, you know, if you have a weak password, you're going to be even more vulnerable to ransomware than you would if you had, as you said, multi-factor or two-factor authentication. Yeah, and the weak password kind of gets back to one of the things we talked about before. Weak password is no longer having password one. It's any password that has been breached pretty much ever because it's in someone's mm -hmm. database, right? I'm not the one with this data. The data is freely available. Anybody who wants to look for it can find it. Yeah. So it's pretty much any password. So having yeah. multiple, like having 2FA is, is, mm. is kind of critical at this point because without that, no matter what, almost whatever password you have, you really need to check to see is this password, has this password been breached anywhere or not? So do you kind of think maybe passwords now should be on the decline? You know, companies just should stop using passwords full stop because they're just so... So there are... Uh, there's been a long debate going um, at least for the last 10 years. Are, are passwords the future? Or pa where are passwords going? I don't see passwords going anywhere in the in the near future. Um, the alternatives, especially biometric data, is a much scarier alternative, right? So you can't change your iris. You can't change your fingerprint. Um, Isn't that worse, though? Isn't that kind of worse? Yeah, no, I'm saying it is worse. You've, you've, got, you've got a digital hash on my iris, and you can just copy the, the hashtag and use it. Exactly. So I'm saying the alternatives <laughs> aren't better. So I got, they, they're much scarier. Um, so I like the fact that I can change a password. Um, yeah. You can't change your iris. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, can, I can't change. Exactly. That's, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been really great talking to you, Josh. Um, uh, I'd like to ask you, what kind of tips have you got for companies, A, I guess, about passwords, and two, if there is a problem, how do they get in touch with you? All right, so for passwords, um, I would say, one, uh, make sure that whatever password you're using uh, has not been breached. So there are a couple of tools you can, you can use for that. Um, I think Troy Hunt has a freely available tool for that as well. Um, 2FA, enable it wherever you can. So you can always enable it, um, but every place you can, especially uh, if you look at the average user, their Gmail account is probably their primary um, primary account. So everything gets back to that. So if you forget your mm. uh, your acme.com, whatever your app, wow, it, your, yes, your password yes, recovery yes, goes yes, to yes. Gmail. So if I can get to your yes. Gmail, I can get to everything. So to make email. sure the really important uh, accounts have 2FA enabled. Um, and uh, and get in touch with me, the Josh at BreachSense.io, or you can go uh, to our website and uh, info at BreachSense to uh, to get in touch. Great, it's great talking to you, and it'd be great maybe kind of talk to you again in a couple of months. Thank you so much, Josh. Great, thank you for having us. Bye. This episode of the Data Protection and Privacy Podcast is brought to you by The Trust Bridge, www.thetrustbridge.co.uk. Today's offer, try one of our accredited courses for £1. Go to www.thetrustbridge.co.uk forward slash 2020 hyphen training.
This episode of the Data Privacy Protection Podcast is brought to you by ADPP, the arena for data protection professionals. Visit www.digitalarena.co and join us to get access to member benefits and entry to our networking events. Today's offer, save 25% on annual membership using the code LIA25. The price will be £112.50 instead of £150 for annual membership. www.digitalarena.co